Good morning. The uh, passage today can be found on page 965 in your pew Bibles. 2 Corinthians 3. Are we beginning to commend ourselves again? Or do we need, like some people, letters of recommendation to you or from you? You yourselves are our letter, written on our hearts, known and read by everyone. You show that you are a letter from Christ, the result of our ministry, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. Such confidence we have through Christ before God, not that we are competent in ourselves to claim anything for ourselves, but our competence comes from God. He has made us competent as ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the spirit, for the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. The greater glory of the new covenant. Now, if the ministry that brought death which was engraved in letters on stone, came with glory so that the Israelites could not look steadily on the face of Moses because of its glory, transitory though it was. Will not the ministry of the Spirit be even more glorious? If the ministry that brought condemnation was glorious, how much more glorious is the ministry that brings righteousness? For what was glorious has no glory now in comparison with a surpassing glory, glory. And if what was transitory came with glory, how much greater is the glory of that which lasts? Therefore, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. We are not like Moses, who would put a veil on his face to prevent the Israelites from seeing the end of what was passing away. But their minds were made dull, for to this day, the same veil remains when the old covenant is read. It has not been removed, because only in Christ is it taken away. Even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil covers their heart. But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Amen. Please allow me to provide a prayer of thanksgiving. Lord, we are thankful for the state and the community where we live and, and know that it values Christianity. Lord, we're thankful for going back to work and easing of the restrictions that we were under for the last several months. Lord, we're thankful for the improved health for Kenna Joy and our health and innumerable blessings we receive on a daily basis and take for granted. Lord, but mostly we are thankful for your word, the Bible. We always have it with us and, and have the ability to read us. And Lord, please help Cody teach us today or Brent teach us today and lift the veil over our hearts so we can understand. Amen. Wow. 
Well, it's a great privilege to be here. I almost feel like I don't, I shouldn't even be preaching right now after that service and all the songs that we sang together and just what the Lord's doing in this congregation. But I want to take the opportunity first to say publicly uh, thank you to our pastors here and our elders for count, uh, the, uh, the opportunity to preach here and for loving us so well and to the congregation here for just your, your care packages, uh, your, your, your many prayers that support, supported us while we're up in Michigan. It's greatly appreciated. It was so good to see y'all here as well to see a bunch of new faces as well. Our time is in 2 Corinthians 3. Permit me a second. I can turn, turn to there and I'll pray for our time in the Word. Second Corinthians 3. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we praise you for this day that you've made, this opportunity we have to worship you, to seek your face together. Lord God, I pray that the meditations of our hearts would be pleasing in your sight, that the words from my lips would honor you, that we make much of Christ. So Lord, we submit this time to you. We pray for your grace in Jesus' name. Amen. So I want to begin with looking at Jesus' prayer in uh, John 17. And in that prayer, Jesus prays that this is eternal life, to know God, the one true God in Christ whom he has sent. And later on in that prayer, he prays for his disciples, Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, may be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. And this was why we were created. We were created to behold the glory of the Lord. This is how it was in in the garden with Adam, created from the dust of the ground to behold the holy God with our own eyes. And yet, Adam, as you well know, fell into sin. And Adam fall, we fall all in Adam. And there has a separation of sin now between us and a holy God. This wasn't how it was supposed to be. We're meant to behold his glory. And yet we see in Genesis 3 that God is making a way to bring us, sinful man, back into right relationship with him, a holy God. He promises the seed of the woman will crush the serpent's head. That we will one day see God in his glory again. It's prophesied throughout the entire Bible. If you just look through the Old Testament, you see in Leviticus that God is supposed to dwell with his people again. That the prophets prophesied saying, Emmanuel, God with us, he's going to come and be with us again. In Ezekiel, he's going to sprinkle your heart clean so that you might behold his glory. And then finally we see in the New Testament, Christ has come. And we could see him now in all fullness. So what is the point of our text here? 
Well, I think what Paul is getting at is the new covenant has come. The one that Jeremiah had prophesied about. The new covenant where he will write his law upon your heart with his own hand. Not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts, of flesh. Sin has been dealt with in Christ. Eternal life is opened up now. We, able, we are now able to, through Christ, come and behold the glory of God. And that brings us to our, our chapter here, chapter 3 of 2 Corinthians. But let's go ahead and, and take a step back and look at the context and what, is, what Paul is arguing here so we can get the force of the argument. So if you begin in chapter 3, Paul is contrasting the old covenant under Moses with the new covenant. The old covenant was a ministry of death and condemnation. The new covenant is a ministry of righteousness and life through the Spirit. The old covenant had a glory, but it's now been surpassed in glory with the new permanent covenant. And Paul is referencing here a very important passage, passage in Exodus chapter 34. Please turn with me there to the beginning of your Bibles to Exodus chapter 34 and locate verse 29. Verse 29 of Exodus chapter 34. Here we have Moses. He's coming down from Mount Sinai, having communed with God, and we pick up here in verse 29, and his face shone because he had been talking with God. Aaron and all the people of Israel saw Moses, and behold, the skin of his face shone, and they were afraid to come near him. Eventually, Moses commands Aaron, the leaders of the congregation, the people of Israel, all the things that the Lord told him. And when Moses had finished speaking with them, he put a veil over his face. Whenever Moses went in before the Lord to speak with him, he would remove the veil until he came out. And when he came out and told the people of Israel what he was commanded, the people of Israel would see the face of Moses, that the skin of Moses' face was shining, and Moses would put the veil over his face again until he went in to speak with him. He would jump back now to 2 Corinthians chapter 3, and we're going to pick up in verse 12. This is the backdrop of what Paul's working with here in chapter 3. And we'll pick up with Paul's argumentation here in verse 12. So Paul is speaking about we have such a hope in the new covenant. We have a surpassing glory. We don't have a fading glory like the old covenant. We have a covenant, a ministry of life and righteousness. Not like the ministry of death and condemnation. And so we are very bold, not like Moses, who put a veil over his face, here we are in verse 13, so that the Israelites might not gaze at the outcome of what was being brought to an end, but their minds were hardened. For to this day, when they read the Old Covenant, when they read the law of God, that same veil remains unlifted because only through Christ is it taken away. Yes, to this day... Whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their hearts. And that brings us to our verse, our passage this morning. But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. 
Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. So members of the new covenant have this privilege, like Moses in the old covenant. In the old covenant, Moses went in to commune with God, and he beheld his face, face to face, unveiled. But the Israelites, when he would speak to them, was veiled, and the glory that shone was veiled to the Israelites. Not only that, the veil of their hearts prevented them from seeing the Lord in all his glory, the veil of sin, unbelief, hardness of heart. But us, believers in the new covenant, we are able to actually behold the Lord in all his glory, just like Moses did. We are able to commune with him, just like Moses. And we have an even better surpassing glory. Wherever we bend our knee, wherever we go, wherever we live, we are constantly beholding the glory of the Lord because of Christ. And that's Paul's argument here with the Corinthians. He's reminding them, listen, the gospel comes to you in power. He writes this in 1 Thessalonians. For we know, brothers, loved by God, that he has chosen you. Because our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. This is the blessings of the new covenant. This is for you, believer. To behold the glory of the Lord and be changed. Paul wants to remind the Corinthians of this, and this is what we need to know today. It frees us from sin, it frees us from Satan's grip, and it transforms us and makes us holy so that we might see the Lord face to face when our faith is turned to sight, as we just sang. That brings us to our first point this morning an unveiled liberating sight. This is verses 16 through 17 of 2 Corinthians 3. But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. There is freedom. So members of the new covenant are blessed with an unveiled, liberating sight of God. And as we already talked about In our beginning, we were meant to behold the glory of the Lord. And we see how the Lord has been prophesying that you will one day behold his glory. You'll be sprinkled clean. But how do you get in on this? Right? That's the question. How can a holy God be made right? How can a sinful man, how can us be made right with a holy God? That's the question. How can we get in on this? We see Adam was cast out of the garden. He sinned. And the Lord killed a few animals and put him in garments to cover his shame. This is a picture of what God has done for us, the believer. For you this morning, if you don't know Christ, this is what God has done for you in Christ. He has sent his own beloved son Perfect, who fulfilled the old covenant perfectly, who had no sin in him. 
And he sent him in love to the cross. And on that cross, as he was placarded before men publicly, he became a curse for you. He became a curse for you. He who knew no sin was made sin on your behalf, so that through him and in him you might become the righteousness of God. So Christ, upon that cross, the Father poured out his wrath upon him as his own beloved Son was made sin for you. And his veil, the veil of his flesh was torn. And we read in Matthew chapter 27 that the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom when Christ, the Son of God, died for your sin. The veil that separated us from the Lord in the temple, that, that imagery, that, that dark veil was taken away through Christ. His own blood spilt for you. It's, it's in a similar way like in a wedding ceremony when typically, maybe not anymore, I don't know, but in our wedding, when the bride comes before you, she's wearing a veil over her face. And as the bridegroom, you're sitting there, you're anticipating, like, I can't wait to be with her. But there's a veil there. Her glory is hidden. It's not yours yet, bridegroom. The father is bringing her to you puts her hand in your hand, takes the veil off, and you are able to behold all of her glory. This is my bride. This is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. In the same way, this this is what God has done for us. That veil of separation. I have made a way. Come to me now. I have made a way for you. The veil is torn. I have sent my son to die for you. I have crushed him. I didn't crush you. I've crushed him. So that you may be with me. Behold my glory. Oh, that's wonderful. But how do, we, how do we have access to this? Our text simply says it right here. If you look in verse 16. But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Have you had that sight that the prophet Isaiah had in chapter 6? He saw the Lord high lifted up and exalted. And he said, woe is me, I am undone. I dwell among a people of unclean lips and my lips are unclean. Have you seen something of the sinfulness of your sin? Sometimes for us, it's an immediate, like, oh, there it is. I see it. I need a Savior. And you see Christ upon the cross. And you turn to him and you're saved. And for some of us, it's, it's a more progressive change, isn't it? I don't remember. I didn't have that type of moment like I, Isaiah did. But I, I, I'm seeing my sinfulness. Wow, and I see my need of a Savior. And wow, I'm growing in love for Christ. But it's always through the same way, through faith and repentance, turning to him, and you will be saved. And we are saved from the wrath of God, 
We're saved from the curse of sin. But believer, this is for you. You are saved from sin itself, its dominion in you. Ezekiel chapter 36, verses 25 through 27 reads this. This is the Lord speaking. I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean. From all your uncleannesses and from all your idols, I will cleanse you. And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give, a, give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. This is the blessing of the new covenant. You are freed from the dominion of sin. Your hearts are sprinkled clean. You're able to behold the glory of the Lord. And now you are set free to obey Christ. The old covenant, the law, which only could condemn you, now with a new heart in Christ, is your delight. You look at the Ten Commandments now. I know I've failed these. But Christ has taken the curse for me. But I delight to do this. Like Paul says in Romans 7, in my inner being, I delight in the law of God. Elsewhere, Paul says this, that this freedom now to uphold the, the law of God in love and delight because of what Christ has done for us, also we're liberated to serve one another. Galatians 5.13 reads this, For you were called to freedom, brothers, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. This is your calling, dear believer. This is the liberating, this is why God has liberated you, so that we might minister to one another, speaking the word in truth and love, and serving one another. Don't use your freedom for the flesh. You've been set free from the flesh. You've been liberated. Why do you run after the flesh? Serve one another. And that brings us to our next point, point number two. A glorious, transforming sight. This is verse 18. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Members of the new covenant, united with Christ, are blessed with a perpetual, ongoing, glorious, transforming sight of Christ. Like Moses, we can all, we've established this, we can all now behold the glory of the Lord with unveiled face. Back in Exodus, he prayed to the Lord, show me your glory. After communing with God, show me your glory. And he called upon the name of the Lord and all of the Lord's goodness passed by Moses. But he could only see his backside. And he said, well, I have to put you in the cleft of the rock, Moses, because if you see my face, nobody can see my face and live. But he saw the backside of the Lord's glory passing by. And amazingly, in the New Testament, we see this. The apostle John writes that the Son of God 
became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. Glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. All of that that passed by in front of Moses, we see now in Christ. Through faith, we can actually behold the glory of the Lord and not be consumed. Because Christ was consumed in our place for us, for our sin. We are now able to be transformed, just like Moses was, from one degree of glory to the next. All the fullness of God was pleased to dwell in Christ, Colossians 1 tells us. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. Do you want to know who God is? Look to Christ. I, I encourage you, our pastor Cody preached through the Gospel of Mark. Go back and listen to those. Study the Gospels. Look at Christ. Behold who he is. Take him in and be transformed. Christ, he is the diadem of heaven. This is the treasure of the new covenant. And, and to our, our pastors here, this is y'all's responsibility to know Christ and to set him forth before us so that we can feed on him. He is the diadem of heaven. He is, he's, the, he's the glory of heaven. He's all the glory of Emmanuel's land. And it's your responsibility in your, in your preaching, in your counseling, in your prayers to take us, as it were, by the hand and just, and just take that, look at that diamond and turn it like this and say, look at this. Look how Christ is at this angle. Look at Christ is at this angle. How this changes you. What a friend we have in Jesus. He was made like us. He was clothed in our flesh. He's a sympathetic high priest. And he knows what it's like to be tempted with sin. Behold him as our great high priest. Look at him. Tempted in every way as we are yet without sin. That gives us encouragement to fight another day. What a mighty savior. We've seen that in the cross, he has put, he's canceled the dominion of sin. He breaks the power of canceled sin. He sets the prisoner free, the hymn says. And not only that, but Satan has been defanged. He can no longer blind you anymore to Christ's glory. What a mighty Savior. What a faithful brother we have. You know, Christ was upon the cross and in, in his mock trial and his, in his persecution, his closest friends abandoned him. Dear believer in Christ, you have one who knows what it feels like to be abandoned completely and totally. Be forsaken of man to be forsaken of God. He can come to you when you are feeling forsaken and sympathize with you. This is the glory of Christ. These are the many facets of him that, just one of many that we can behold together. And we are, our text says in verse 18, as we gaze upon him, we are being transformed into his same image. Romans chapter 8 verse 29 reads this. For those who he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son 
in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. So it is the Father who conforms us to the image of his Son. And he's going to do whatever it takes to get you there. Whatever means necessary, he will bring you through to conform you to the image of his Son. He will cause you to think, to act, to speak, to love, to hate, to walk, just like Christ. This is his mission for you. Children here, isn't it not true that your parents say, well, this is how a carnet does it, or this is how a boy does it, right? We don't, we don't go eat there. We eat over here, wherever it might be. And the parents are constantly training their children up. This is how our family does it. Well, so too. You've been adopted into the family. Believer, you've been adopted into the family of God, and your heavenly Father takes you by the hand and says, you see Christ? This is what I'm going to change you into. Transform you into his image. And so I'm going to take you through whatever I need to do to make you there. Parents, don't you give experiences to your children so that when they're 18 or, or whenever, you can send them out and be their own family? Same with our Heavenly Father. He takes us and prepares us for glory. Charles Spurgeon said, When you walk with the king, you should be yourself royal in gait. When you commune with a prince, you should not act the clown. Brothers and sisters, we are heirs of Christ. And God is going to take what, and do whatever he needs to make us fit for his kingdom. In Revelation, we read that no unclean thing will come into the kingdom of Christ. So he's going to be sanctifying you. And the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 6 tells us this. He lists all of these sins and he says, And such were some of you. Such were some of you. But you've been washed, you've been cleansed, you've been sanctified. So dear believer, as you walk through whatever trials that the, the Father brings you through, as you're fighting sin, Take heart knowing that Christ has paid your penalty for you, for your sin. But that he's cleansed you and he's transforming you so that you could be with him. He's giving you the holiness without which no one may see the Lord. And he's working that in you. Consider also that Christ learned obedience and was made perfect through sufferings. Remember that it's the heavenly father who parted the heavens and said, this is my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased. And then Christ went to the cross, tortured, persecuted, beaten, slandered, forsaken, crucified, forsaken by men, forsaken by God. All of his wrath poured out on him and died. Yet consider also that the Father who did not spare his own Son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? His mission is not to boost you in your comfort or your, in your success at your business or schooling. He is concerned with that. But his mission is your conformity to the image of his beloved Son. 
You will take up crosses. This is your calling, believer. Take up your cross daily and die to yourself. Christ set his face like flint to Jerusalem to be crucified for the joy set before him. So too the Father will take us through fiery trials, through waters that are going to rush over your head, but they will not consume you, he says, for I am with you and I'll uphold you by my righteous right hand. And part of this mission, just as, as a church, looks like speaking to one another. So yes, the Father uses trials and experiences and he focuses our eyes upon Christ, but he also uses each, each one of us to speak truth into each other. So we need to be humble and be able to receive admonition from one another. Sister, I see that you've, you've done this sin again. Listen, if you keep going down this path, it's going to only end in destruction. Brother, I've seen that you are being transformed. I remember that sin you talked about six months ago. Do you remember that? No, I don't. You're being transformed. You're, God is changing you and setting you free. and He's giving you power. Be encouraged. We need to be able to receive from one another encouragement and admonition and to be open with one another. Another benefit of being in the new covenant is that our life is entirely lived, quorum Deo, before the face of God. So everything you do now is seen by God, or always has been seen by God, but you carry with you the Lord. Unlike Moses, who had to go to the tent of meeting and unveil his face to commune with the Lord, you now are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And God himself dwells within you if you are in Christ. He dwells within you. So there is no place that you go that is not holy or not sanctified. And this transforms your entire outlook as well. No longer is this world a dark world, but it's your Father's world. No longer is this world careening out of control. Christ is upholding it by the word of his power. No longer are your relationships merely for yourself, but they are for others, to give yourself to others. No longer is your job, your calling for yourself, to make as much as you can and then die. It's to make as much as you can to give. It's for others. It's for the glory of the Lord. Your calling has eternal ramifications. It is glorifying to the Lord. The disciples will say to Jesus one day, Lord, when did we give you a cup of cold water in your name? When did I, when did I see you hungering or thirsting? Oh, when you did it to one of these little ones, what if one of my bride, when you've done it to my bride, you've done it to me, and he will reward you. We must be faithful with the giftings that God has given us and take advantage of the opportunity to serve one another and love because we are, we are living entirely before his face, and he sees us. And this is done corporately as well, dear believer. Whenever, it's such a privilege to see so many people in one room <laughs> once again. But we are able to gather together, and when we partake of the Lord's Supper, for you individually, I believe as the Heidelberg Catechism says, as surely as you take the bread 
And as surely as you drink the wine, the fruit, so surely did Christ give himself up for you and die for your sins. Oh, that, that is glorious for us. What a, what a means of grace it is for us to know that Christ has died for us. But then to look over there. Oh, I, remember, I know what she's going through. I know what she's struggling with. I know what trials she's being brought through. Or to look over there, I know what he's going through. And to see that we are partaking of that together. We all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord. Our life is lived together. So in conclusion, dear believer, the Lord has called you out of your sin and out of your darkness and brought you into his marvelous light. He took you whenever you were dead in your sins and he nursed you back to health. And we read this in Ezekiel 36, verse 14. You grew exceedingly beautiful and advanced to royalty. And your renown went forth among the nations because of your beauty. For it was perfect through the splendor that I had bestowed on you, declares the Lord God. Dear believer, you are his bride. Christ has come for you to die. You are his body. You are his flesh. No one ever hated his own flesh, but they nourish and cherish it. That was what, it is what Christ is doing with you right now in this life, dear believer. This is your eternal bridegroom. And though you have sinned, yet you are repenting of your sin, he comes to you. Like in John 13, and he washes your feet, as I've heard one pastor put it, from all of your sin. He knows. I know what you're struggling with. I know what you're going through. I'm washing you. Believer, this is for you today. He who began a good work in you is faithful and he will bring it to completion. He will bring you to himself in heaven. You will, like the bride coming down out of heaven to meet her bridegroom, you will be pure, spotless, white, radiant, dazzling. And you will one day with actual eyes Behold your bridegroom and all his glory and be made like him. And this is for you today, believer. He sees you this way today. You are being transformed into the image of Christ, being prepared for eternal glory. As you fight sin in this life, remember your privileges of the new covenant and lay hold of Christ by faith. Remember to encourage one another as you see growth in grace. Be faithful to one another to point out sin and to help that brother or sister out. And for the unbeliever here this morning, this, this spread, this feast is for you. Turn from your sin. Why would you perish? 
Why do you spend your money on that which is not bread and on worthless things? Isn't Christ glorious? And for you who are struggling, oh, my sin, it's so captivating, but I know I hate it. Turn to Christ and you will be saved. Turn from your sin like we sing. Flee to Christ and these new covenant blessings are yours. You will be transformed. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we praise you for your loving kindness towards us in Christ. Thank you that you have given Christ to us, that we are able to behold him, the eyes of faith, and be transformed into his image. Oh Lord, continue to do that work in us who are, who are in Christ this morning and those who do not know you. Oh Lord, bring them to yourself that they might taste and see that you are good. We pray this in Christ's name, amen.